1: if you're a tennis fan
0: you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the bet rivers network whether you're a better or just love tennis you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar subscribe to game bet match today from your favorite podcast provider you're listening to betting weekly game bet match on the bet rivers network Hello, welcome to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match, your number one tennis betting podcast. Sports Union Association with Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Now, every Sunday for the last in twenty twenty two, just myself and Sean Calvert, but those very nice people at Bet Rivers have expanded their tennis content through twenty twenty three with five betting podcasts every single day from Sunday through to Thursday, and I'm delighted to say. That when his calendar allows on Wednesday, we're joined by the absolutely fantastic former number one tennis player and world number four, good friend of the show, James Blake. James, happy new year to you, sir.
1: Happy new year. Thanks for having me on. This is
0: fun. How are you doing? Well, the last time I saw you was a very brief encounter at Flushing Meadow. You yes. looked absolutely dapper in your suit. I was sweating, <laughs> I, had, I had my jeans, I had my shorts on. I was, gonna say, was, I was sweating and- a lot
1: too, I'm sure, under <laughs> that yeah. suit. The suit hides it. I was, I'm was. i sure I had a dark suit on that day to make sure to hide that sweat. <laughs> uh, so
0: it was a boring hot day, and, and it was a brilliant one for us. We, the last time we spoke was about the US Open, and Carlos Alcaraz went on to win. Uh, mm-hmm. the US Open, which was tipped by me. And we didn't get the the Blake Grand Slam. I sort of threw <laughs> no, a spanner in it. the works at the end there. So uh, <laughs> that was great though. And, uh, and, it, and, and, it's, and it's, we all sort of got carried away, didn't we? Thought Alcaraz is going to come on and he's going to be the next best thing. since mm. then. You know, his, his schedule hasn't been that great. And mm. we go into 2023 in a bit of, uh, you know, how we were before. You now that Djokovic ended the season in great form and he goes in as the favourite for the Australian Open. Um uh, How do you sum up 2022 as a a, a tennis season? And what do you think we should be looking for in 2023?
1: Yeah, I think you're very accurate. And uh, I was doing some of those broadcasts and I think Cliff Drysdale predicted um, Alcaraz to win about 20 grand slams. You know, that's the way he looked, how well he was playing from Wimbledon going into the U.S. Open and then at the U.S. Open, his match with Sinner was absolutely um, just remarkable. So I think people definitely have that recency bias where you think who's playing well at the moment will play that well for the next 10 years. So, I mean, I think his future is absolutely incredible. His future is so bright. But if I'm picking someone right now to play one match um, that counts for everything in the world, I'm picking Novak Djokovic. He's the best player in the world, in my opinion, right now. Um, so I do agree that he should be the favorite for the Australian Open, and um, it'll be interesting to see how well he does, how much he's allowed to play this year, how much he wants to play this year, because... You know, last year he was um, he wasn't allowed to play some of the events, but at his age, it's starting to feel like, okay. you know, Roger and Rafa both did the same where They started sort of pulling back a little, not playing a lot of the smaller events, only focusing on the majors. So um, we'll see if it's a good thing for his body that he maybe takes some time off and figures out exactly how much he needs to play, because obviously he played so well when he played last year that maybe he thinks okay well maybe my schedule should be a little bit slimmer and I should figure out which uh, events mean the most to me and of course those are going to be the Grand Slams the Masters 1000s um, and maybe Davis Cup if he if he still has interest in that and any other the team, team events but um, I think um, there's some young guys there's some interesting uh players that are going to come up on the rise but right now I'm going to take Novak to to still hold those guys off um I think he's um he's playing absolutely exceptional and he seems to be able to block out some of the distractions which are obviously monumental in what he went through last year um in Australia um and then US Open as well so um looking forward to seeing how he uh, how he handles it as um as one of the greatest of of all time and you know that's always interesting as someone's getting you know, later in their career. Um, and at this point, you're dealing with every Grand Slam he enters is um, uh, a, an opportunity to write a, another chapter in his legacy.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only thing that probably stopped him is father time, isn't it? You know, his age is yeah. going to take his toll of him at some stage. He's, he's going to take his toll on Rafa Nadal, as we've seen at the end of last season. He got beat by Felix at mm-hmm. the World Tour Championships in, in Turin. Um, and you know, we're gonna we, what we're gonna do in this show. We're, we're gonna have a little talk about players who potentially challenge those players and win a, a major this year. We're gonna look at people in, who can break in the top 10 and fifty, and look at the homegrown players and think who can who can come through from the American for the ATP tour. But let's have a look at the at the, at the top ten in the world now and look at people who be challenging for a major decision. Obviously, Carlos Alcraz is your number one. Rafael Nadal, so the two Spaniards in number one and two. Kasper rudu had a, an unbelievable season last season. Can he replicate that form? Can he go one better and win a major? I'm not so sure. Stefano who has the, uh, the most talent, I think, probably ever, anybody. But uh, when he gets to a quarter-final, semifinal, he runs into a, a Medvedev or, or a Djokovic. He seems to find his level. Felix Auger had a unbelievable run at the end of last season. Yannick Sinner, obviously yeah. up there in, in 15 in the world. Um mm-hmm. We talk about obviously Nadal and Djokovic being the, the top two players, but mm-hmm. Bet Rivers have a, a market on which players can win a major this year. Um mm-hmm. Where do you see in that bracket, that sort of emerging player who can go that next level and win a major this season. And we talk about near misses for Ruud. We've seen Norse Aliasim do well. We saw Taylor Fritz go very close at Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, where do yeah. you think that th- those players who can challenge these two when they're not looking good?
1: Well, I think FAA, Felix Norse Aliasim has uh, has the opportunity. He showed how well he can play and he sustained it. Um, you know, coming from uh, US Open on, um, it showed that he was one of, um, if not really, I mean, he might've been considered the best player after the US Open. Um, he's, he's up there. Um, And the fact that he didn't, um, he didn't have one good result and then kind of fall off, he backed it up and backed it up and um, a great performance there in Turin, like you said. So I think he's, uh, he's someone that has the opportunity and the the ability and he's now grown into the fact that he can be a favorite. I think he was, I don't want to say a total deer in headlights, but I think he, he, he dealt with the, he didn't deal with the pressure early on. Um, and he's now so much more comfortable, it seems on the big stages, so much more comfortable being a favorite. um, and his game has shown that I think it's been a long process for him. I think he's had a great team around him since he was eighteen years old. and um, he didn't sweat the small stuff and didn't deal with didn't have issues with the fact that, okay, it is still a learning process. and I think he's at the point now where these next three, four years for him are where he's really gonna peak. And I think um it's not. Um, it's not out of the ordinary or it's not out of the realm of possibility to say he could win two, maybe three grand slams in those next four or five years. Um, and then someone I look for this year to possibly contend uh Sammy's finals and, you know, get himself in that opportunity in in the chance and, and see if he can take advantage of it is Yannick Sinner. Um mm. He's yeah, like you said, he's 15 in the world right now. It's not. Um, I don't even think it's a long shot to say he's going to finish the year in, at top 10. Um, I think his game is is such that he's got a huge serve. He moves so well. Um, and he hits the ball huge from the baseline. We saw that in his match with Alcaraz. I saw it a couple of years ago when he made the finals of uh, the Miami Open, losing to Hubie Herkacz. Um, just how how big his game can be. And he doesn't seem to get stressed either. He's got Darren Cahill in his corner, which I think really helps one of the best coaches out there, in my opinion. So um, I think Sanders got a real good chance to be to be top 10 um, and to have uh, have himself in those late stages of grand slams. Um, especially on the faster courts, uh, French Open might not be his strong suit, but the the others, I think he's got a shot at. The yes. wild card, I think this year, or one one big wild card is the health of Alexander Zverev. I mean, uh, it was just healthy. the name
0: I was just about to say. He was the yeah. next guy I was going to mention.
1: Yeah, I wonder about him because. He's done so well, so young in his career, um, but he's been haunted by the: Is he gonna win a major? Is he uh, is he ever gonna come through? He's you know he's had so much success and he can't win a major. He can't win, and I wonder if maybe that kind of calms down in his mind um, because it's more about fighting back from injury and and just getting healthy. And maybe he has a little less pressure um, because he's not looked at as one of the favorites at all this year. I mean he's he's outside the top ten, but it's obviously because he hasn't been able to play um, when he is playing. He's definitely one of the top four or five guys in the world. Uh, It's just a matter of if he can put it back together. And that that ankle injury was gruesome uh, when we saw it at the the Mm. French Open. So um, we'll see how that's recovered. And if it's recovered, um, you never know. Maybe someone playing with a little bit less pressure um, with that kind of ability and talent um, could find a way to uh, have kind of a miraculous run uh, to a slam final.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's got the game. If he starts hitting them mm-hmm. winners and that serve starts going, he could be, he can be yeah. anybody. I mean, just when you mentioned the two players, you you mentioned Felix and you, you mentioned uh, Yannick Sinner as well. Uh, the thing for Felix for me as a, as a better is that I always thought that he his serve could go at any time, and I never mm-hmm. and I always felt that he he never had it mentally. He looked glorious, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. he get the big points, and he never he never had it mentally. As as a progression for a tennis player, um, that is you know, you can have all the natural ability in the world, but you've got to have that psyche. You know, you said you've got a good team around him. As a player, someone who's an ex-player who's in the locker room, you see these players firsthand. Do you think he's learnt now a different mentality strength?
1: I do. And I I shared those same sort of worries about his serve uh, when I saw him early on. Uh, He didn't have a lot of margin. And so that second serve, without a lot of margin, it comes down to a big point. It's break point. It's a tie break. That can get a little shaky. And he's added a little more margin. And I also think that, When I saw that, um, the fact that he didn't panic, he didn't say, oh, my gosh, I have to completely revamp my entire serve. I've got to change everything. He didn't do that. He didn't panic. He knew this is a learning process. He's getting to be more comfortable in big moments, just putting himself in those situations more. And I think that's really starting to pay dividends. And you saw it last year because um even if you don't have as much margin if you got the confidence um you see a player like andy murray who never had um quite as much margin he had more of a slider on a second serve as well um but when he was confident it it didn't matter um you still felt like those were all going to go in and yeah there's going to be a double thrown in here and there uh, from someone that doesn't have that big kick serve like a rafa nadal or even roger um but they are able to do that when they're confident that it doesn't seem like it's um it's sort of a a, a risky play and for Felix you saw that towards the end of last year and it just seems like he's more confident so yeah they there may be times throughout um the next couple of years where he has a little bit of a bad patch for um one week two weeks three weeks but um I don't see it lasting because I think he's got that confidence now that he knows he's he's at the top of the game so there's no really reason to panic or worry about uh am I am I not gonna have a great year am I gonna struggle with this one am I struggle with that it's all going to come together, I think.
0: Yeah, loves the fast surface. I saw him actually playing Dubai. I was, in Dubai. I went to the World Cup, and I was, I saw him playing against Kyrgios, uh in the World Team competition. I know it's an exhibition game, and yeah. Kurios makes every game quite competitive, is not he? You know, you want to beat <laughs> Kurios. He, he, he wasn't taking it lightly, and I thought he played absolutely brilliant, Felix. He, he was broken early on. And then he came back and I thought he could his head could go. But even the next mission he played really, really well. And I thought he's gonna win this week and I bet him this week and he get beat in the first round. So uh, so uh, <laughs> the first week of the year is always difficult. I know, uh,
1: yeah, it's very difficult. So
0: Yeah, and just we'll just talk about Sinner very briefly before we, we move on. Um mm-hmm. Yannick Sinner, it's funny you say that. You say that he's a player that uh went on the first first fast surface. But mm-hmm. when he broke through, everyone thought this kid was gonna be a clay quarter. Yeah, But when we saw what he did at Wimbledon, probably yeah. played the best game at the Wimbledon Championships against Djokovic, and he played the best mm. game against Alcaraz at the U.S. Open. He was is a mm. big game player, this lad. And unlike uh, probably Felix, he looked mentally strong. I know he didn't win those games, but to come through two epic matches against people who went on to win the major, what mm. a, what a, what a good thing that is having your in your in your in your mind after after games like that.
1: Yeah, and, and the way he played. It's not just that he lost close ones. It's it's the, the level of tennis in that match with Alcaraz, the level of tennis in that match with Djokovic. It wasn't just that you lost to the guy that won it. You lost the guy that won it by, I mean, just by an inch. And the way you were playing, you played well enough to win that title both times. He played well enough to win the US Open. He played well enough to win Wimbledon um, and just beaten by a slightly, slightly better player on that day. And it took a great effort from both of them to beat him. So, I mean, it, it's tough because you say to win a Grand Slam, you're going to have to beat the best. Um, But he's that close to beating the best. He's still young Um, and he knows he's in it with those. And he didn't get so down that it just completely devastated him. Um, I think that's one of the beauties of youth is that, you know, there's more opportunities. And then you've got Darren Cahill in your corner to go back and lean on someone that's, that's coached some of the greats um in the past as well and gotten them to the Grand Slam titles. So I think he's got a great path for him. He's got, um, He's got a great plan, and I think Yannick is um, is someone that the way he moves, how well he returns, um, and his serve is. Uh, uh, people don't talk about his serve that often, but it is big uh, mm. and it gets him some free points. Um, his backhand is absolutely rock solid, and it's just it's fun to watch when he's playing well because he hits the ball so big. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to, to big things out of him this uh, this 2023 and and beyond.
0: The only two question, the only two doubts I have about him, and this is it, one of them, is physicality. I think, Mm -hmm. obviously, um, when you saw Alcaraz come back in 2022, you see the way he beefed up. You knew he meant business. And you saw Andy Murray, when Andy Murray went through that stage. I think Sinner Mm. needs to beef himself up a little bit more, especially in in, in the quarterfinals and the semifinals, where I think his physicality. And the second thing I'm worried about is, is the public... Uh, obviously know about him now so from yeah. a betting perspective for me I like to find people that public don't know about and mm-hmm. to, to sum that up to you James uh, my mother texted me after the game against Djokovic and said this sinner is very good can you put <laughs> one pound on him to win Wimbledon next year now if my yeah. mother is texting me yeah. uh, 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 and then I know that everybody has seen this kid so <laughs> so that's a, and my mum's never bet a winner forever in her life so that's that's, <laughs> that, that, that's a that's a good bit of a concern for me on that yeah. one.
1: That reminds me, of like the uh, the taxi driver telling you about a stock. Once a taxi driver tells you <laughs> about a stock that they're they're picking, you run away.
0: <laughs> exactly, but, uh, <laughs> exactly. So my mother's exactly the same as that. Uh, one other. So we look at those players potentially to make a a, a major or breakthrough to to win a major this year. Zan- Yannick Sinner, obviously number one for both myself and James. Uh, we're looking at uh, Felix Auger-Aliassime brilliant end of last season. Zverev, and the one other name I would throw into the mix, I think Taylor Fritz, if you get a fast surface at Wimbledon where... Djokovic may not be fit enough coming in the back of the... because uh, it's such a quick turnaround at the U.S. At, at Wimbledon between the French Open and Wimbledon from one different court to another. Uh, obviously, yeah. we, it, it may, Djokovic may come to sort of may not be able to compete at the high level if he goes deep in the French Open. And I think we could get a shot winner. And I think if the conditions suit Taylor Fritz, I think he should have got to the final last year. Uh, we all know that again, and and they yeah. all and instead played Kyrgios in the in the semifinal, but. Um, I think Taylor Fritz could do well in as well. So they're four names to look out for uh, yeah. in to win the major markets, which Bet Rivers do have, but at the moment it took, the season's started, so they've taken their markets down, but I'm sure they'll be back on before the Australian Open starts in, in about 10 days' time now. Uh, let's move on to the top 20. Now, obviously there's a, there's a real big, I mean, the gap between the top nine and the top number nine seed and the number 25th seed is hardly anything in tennis anymore. It used to be huge. But there's a, there's some really good players in that ranking between sort of like about 25 down to about 40. I'm um, looking at a couple of players that potentially could break into the top 20 this season. And um, anyone that's particularly caught your eye, James?
1: Uh, well, I, I got a couple. One is, um, is someone that's similar to Zverev, is a bit of a wild card, and, and that's Riley Opelka um, with his health. Um, if he's healthy... You know, I mean, uh, I think Andy Roddick said it best, you can't teach seven foot, you can't teach six ten. Um, you know, he's he's basically a seven footer. Um when his serve is working, it's pretty tough to beat. Um, it's tough to get a break. So you're you're reduced to just trying to scrape out a couple points here and there in a tie break and and that's a difficult um scenario for anyone especially with as well as he hits his backhand as well as he moves for a big guy and gets right on top of the net sometimes so um if he's healthy look for him to be back in the top 20 i think um and um in a very different game and someone that this is one that maybe the the taxi driver wouldn't think about or or not a lot of people would say is is, uh sonago lorenzo sonago um a guy that he's he's probably right in the middle of his career, 27 years old. Um, but I think he's playing well. And I think he's progressed very, very well, pretty much under the radar, especially since, you know, the Italians have so many great players with between Berrettini, Fonini, um, Sinner. Um, so they've got great players and Sonigo gets almost kind of like forgotten. And you, you realize you watch him play. The guy's a really, really solid player, keeps it together mentally, big forehand moves well um so i think he's a guy that top 20 is maybe his his ceiling but right around top 20 i think he can jump from about i think he's around 45 44 uh right now so i think he can jump 20 spots um possibly this year and have one of his best years of his career
0: yeah i mean Sonego's another player that again come on as a clay quarter and he's produced mm-hmm. well on grass i mean and the other thing we're talking about grass court tennis Abelka being seven foot two, his record on grass is terrible. I think he's, I, mean, I think he's won seven, lost 14. He's a player that you think should do so well at Wimbledon. Maybe that's because the, you know, the, the, the Karloviches of this game, the, the world are, aren't, and, and, and the grass isn't as fast as he used to be at Wimbledon many years ago.
1: Yeah, it's not. And I think it's also that, um I, I think he struggles moving on the grass and, and you think, Uh, of a guy at seven feet, they're going to struggle to move all the time. But he actually moves better than you would expect, I think, on the hard courts. Um, And then on the clay, I think he can be effective as well because his serve is so effective that there aren't many guys that get tons of free points on the clay, but he's still able to. So I think he can be effective on both. Grass, actually, yeah, I think he'd probably admit as well, it it might be his worst surface. Um, And I think it has a lot to do with not being able to move and the fact that other players get a lot of free points on their first serve as well. Um, so that it ends up coming down to a lot of tie breaks. And, um, you know, then it's sometimes just a, a coin flip.
0: It just shows you how tennis has changed in the, since yep. I started following tennis, what, 30-odd years ago now. A guy mm-hmm. at 7 foot, 6 foot, 9, you, you he'd make the quarterfinals at Wimbledon no problem with a big serve. It was just... It, it was un- it was impossible that he wouldn't be a good grass court player. You always look for a yeah. big, a, a, a not so talented big one against a very talented little one at Wimbledon, and that was the betting strategy. It's how it used to be, yeah. and yeah. now it now yeah. it's the, changed the, completely. The days
1: are gone when when the grass is like that. I mean, I think if, if Riley had played uh, twenty years ago on on that kind of grass, man, it would have been a nightmare. I mean, those when those courts weren't bouncing up and trying to deal with that serve coming at you one hundred and forty. Uh, he would have given even Sampras and even Isovich and those guys a run for their money, I think, um, in those days. But the, the grass has changed.
0: The grass has changed, uh, and obviously, uh, there's, so there's what, what we're trying to do here in this show. So if you, what we're going to do is give you some players and just make get your pens and paper out, just write them down. And when they're up against some seeds or anyone in around them in the bracket or anyone around there the world ranking, these are the players that must both myself and James think you should be on your side in 2023. So for James, Sonego and Abelka, when they're playing players ranked around 30, 25, they could break into that thing. We we think they that James believes that they're players to follow. For me, I'm gonna go for two players. I'm gonna go for Lorenzo Massetti. Um he produced for us last season on game bets and match our biggest ever win. We bet Mosetti to win Hamburg at 80 to one when he beat Alcaraz in the final. Oh. Come through the three sets. Yeah, it was it was an amazing two weeks, James. We had uh, Sean Calvert gave a tip the week before at 66 to one Serendulu, and I come back the week later and gave Mosetti 80 to one. Now things like that. People think might happen every week, and that they've never happened ever. I'm, no, I'm, 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 I'm 50 go. this year. That's never happened. So do not believe that this is going to happen regularly. Like this is this is a strange thing. But Massetti come through and they give him some confidence. And the one the thing I liked about Massetti as well, he went on and won in Napoli on a hard call, uh indoor, I think it was. Then he went to Paris Masters, got to the quarterfinals, beat Djokovic. And he ended up really, really well. I would also go for Jack Draper, the English lad, who um, to goes to the same school as my son, by the way, Jack Draper. There you, no. <laughs> or you, you do, yeah. But I, I think he suffered from injuries, and I think it's yeah. going to take a bit of time for him to recover. But I think Mazzetti will come in and do really well, especially when the clay court season comes through. And with Nadal on a downward spiral at the moment and not being a dominant force, he will be. I don't expect him to be uh, at the top of his game at the French Open, and I think Alcaraz will be too short. I think Massetti could be somebody that could could surprise and do well there. And I'm gonna the other one I'm gonna go for is a player that I believe is probably one of the most talented players, especially you know like, what I see all the time and when I watch him. I, I and but he's probably one of the most frustrating players to watch as well from a betting perspective. He's a nightmare. That's Sebastian Corder. Uh, I think Corder's on his game is is a top 10 player without question, yeah. but he has too many Corder-like moments where he, his game completely goes. Hopefully he can get that better. He's a player that always starts the season fast. He's doing very well at the moment in Adelaide. And I expect him to do well at the Australian Open. So for me, Sebastian Corder and Rossetti would be my two in that bracket. We're going to go down to one more bracket and then we'll look at some of the home-based players who could potentially do well. But we we'll look at players who, who are outside the top 50... But if they're playing a player in the top fifty or playing the player at top thirty-two, are more than capable of beating them or matching them and potentially break into that top fifty. I know you've got a couple of players in that market, uh, James. Who do you like
1: there? Well, I like uh, a couple of Americans. One is J.J. Wolf, um, guy that uh, got injured a, a couple years ago, um, but he's not a huge guy, but he's got a big serve and a big game. Absolutely rockets the ball from the from the baseline. Um, not afraid of playing the big guys. I've seen him play Medvedev, watch him play Sitsipas, um, and hangs in with them. Um, doesn't get awed by the moment. Uh, played college tennis at Ohio State, um, so he's been in uh, with some some battles, uh, getting back and forth with the crowds and with some. Uh, some antics with the crowds and stuff, but he's, um, he's a really good player, solid down to earth kid. Um, And uh, I like his abilities. I think he's about 65 in the world now. um, And I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he cracks into the top 50 and has a couple big wins here and there. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be a top 20, top 15 player, but um, he can beat one of those guys on a given day because he's got such a big game, even though it doesn't look like it because he's, you know, he's not coming in at six, four, he's, he's under six feet, but um, hits the ball. Huge. So. He's a guy that I look to um that could have a, a few big wins this year. The other one is another American, is Ben Shelton. And he has that big game. Everyone and and he's one that the people saw last year um at the US Open. They saw um that he's got a ton of ability and that he's so young. He's got the pedigree. His dad was a pro player. Um, dad's his coach um at University of Florida, um, won the NCAAs and um just absolutely rocketed to the top 100 uh, extremely quickly, won a few challengers. And so he's had some success on that lower level, on that challenger level. Now it's a matter of put, uh, putting it together and having success on the on the main tour level. And I think he's got uh, the right team in place to do that. And I think he's got the the big game. Um, so we'll see. I mean, he's got to find he's got a few things that he's got to iron out because he is still 19, uh, 20, 20 years old, I believe. Um, but I think he's, he's, um, he's got plenty of time and I think it'll happen this year. He's going to have some, some real peaks. He might have a few valleys too, because he is young. Um, but I think he's going to have a few peaks where he goes, maybe even goes semis of a, of a master series or, or semis of a 500 or something. And, um, and maybe one, one huge event where he's just absolutely, uh, lights out. But, um, I look for him to, I think top 50 for him, isn't a crazy goal. Um, starting the year, right around a hundred.
0: There you go. Ben Shelton, um, so he's he he, he did did deep break. Did did well at um, the U.S. Open? Did he beat did he beat some of the U.S. Open? Was it Shelton? Did he beat some of the U.S. Open?
1: One round at the U.S. Open and then lost. I forget. Um, put, uh, I think he put a, I think
0: he put a, he put in a brilliant performance. I remember him putting in a fantastic yeah. performance, and then everyone. And then yeah, he live won up a to it.
1: Challengers since then, um, yeah. and he had a tough loss. Um, I believe to Isner and in, in DC. Yeah. Um. So he's yeah he's had um he's had good runs. I think he made quarters at D.C. before he lost to Isner as well.
0: What do you, what, What's the general feeling about American men's tennis coming through? I mean, we have had some numbers that, he, you know, in your era, Sampras Agassi, Andy Roddick, himself, yeah. great players coming through. Obviously, before that, McEnroe, Connors. What, what, what's the state of the American tennis at the moment? I mean, Taylor Fritz is number one. TFO had a brilliant year last year. How do you feel yeah. that the American tennis is at the moment?
1: Yeah, it's more and more encouraging. I think it's tough because people you know, the, people probably like your mom that don't, uh, <laughs> that don't see it all the time are saying, well, where's the Grand Slam champion? Um, but yeah. we've got Taylor Fritz in the top 10. You got uh, Francis in the top 20. You got Riley, who was hurt, who was in the top 20. He's out in the top 40 now. Um, you got JJ Wolf. You got Mackie McDonald. You got Marcos Garone. You got Sebastian Corda. You got Jensen Brooksby. We've got so many guys in the top 100 and now Ben Shelton coming up as well. Mm-hmm. So I think they're taking the pressure off each other. It's not um, just a one or two person show, maybe, um, you know, the way it was um, a few years ago when it was kind of just Isner and and maybe just Isner and query. Um, so now um, you got a lot of guys taking pressure off each other and kind of wanting to one up each other. And Taylor Fritz is now taking the lead. He's, he's got the ability, he's got the broad shoulders to to handle that pressure to handle the the burden of being the number one American, I think. Um, and you got some, some other guys behind that are willing to, to really push him. And I think, um, it's encouraging for those um, that are in the uh, kind of in the tennis world. We see how much talent and ability is there. Um, excited for opportunities like United Cup, like uh, La- like um, Davis Cup, and uh, and being parts of the team for for Labor Cup as well. So um, it's it's tough to say that there's a, a surefire Grand Slam champion in there. I know you like Taylor Fritz as a possibility, and he is a possibility, but we don't have that. Andy Roddick. We don't have that Sampras. We don't have that Agassi that we're saying, hey, they're going to win a slam. And if they don't win a slam, it's kind of a, a down year for them. Um, so I, I think it's um, it's tricky because, the you know, the top players have just been so dominant that you haven't had the, the Grand Slam champions coming from here. But um, I like the chances. I like our, you know, our, our stable of players against uh, just about any other stable. If you go down five, ten guys uh, deep.
0: Yeah, I mean Francis here had an unbelievable US Open end the season. I mean he's got to take some confidence from that. And one thing I saw about when the he was playing around with Taylor Fritz, you know, having a bit of a laugh, they look they look relaxed and confident, and no. that that's what you want to be. You want to be happy, relaxed, confident, no pressure on it. When you look at other players, they, they look. Sp- focused and not, not confident machine-like and uh, I think yeah. you need to have a bit of fun as well at the same time. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give you a couple of players. Anyone.
1: Sorry, sorry, James. What was Francis, that? Sorry. Francis can relax anyone. He's, he's so yeah. good at always got a great smile and having, having a good time no matter what the situation is.
0: That's what it's all about. Winning as well, but winning and having a bit of fun. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of players to break into that top 50 sort of bracket. I want to go for Benjamin Bonzi, uh, the mm-hmm. French guy. I think he's, he's doing really well in Pune. I wouldn't surprise if he could win puny at the moment in in India. Uh, in a season opener. I think he's got a big serve, playing really, really well. Um, some of those serve stats has, has been exceptional. Uh, another French guy, Hugo Umbert, uh, who had a brilliant year, not last year, a couple of seasons ago, but obviously had a lot of points to defend. Didn't had a bad year last season and dropped a lot of points and dropped out. But I think he's a top 30, 40 player, easy. He's down in 80 at the moment. I think he was going to break through and he will beat people at big prices, especially if the conditions are fast. If the Australian Open is fast, Umber is one to keep on side. And the other one I think is Really is, is suited by fast courts and was brilliant on the grass court season Is Van Rithoven, uh, the yeah. Dutch guy? Um, he beat Medvedevnik, Felix Elger, Taylor Fritz all on glass last year and only got beat by Djokovic. And he took a set of Djokovic at Wimbledon. Yeah. Uh, and I think he it, it is very one dimensional and I think his service is, is on grass. But when the grass season comes around, keep a name out for keep a, a little eye out for uh, Tim Van Rithoven, uh, who's going to win at big, it will be, he'll beat CD players if he draws them at plus money prices. Uh James, it's been a pleasure as always to speak to you. Uh, I always like talking to you. And I said to you before I was, a big fan of yours when I was following tennis in the early days. And it's always a, an honor to speak to you. And uh, I'm so glad that we're going to talk about tennis most Wednesdays throughout the season. You're going to come on it from a, from a, from a perspective of, of, a, of an ex-player, looking at players that you think you should take from that week and look at players you think to to be looking at for the week uh, ahead and hopefully we can, the the watchers and the betters can use their analysis and uh, profit from that for the next season uh, as we go on. Uh, Thank you very much everyone for watching. You can obviously uh, download us on whichever service provider for podcasts you use. Uh, We're riding high on the Apple podcast charts in tennis, up to number four in America in the tennis podcast charts and the same across the pond as well, doing really well. We hit number two last season and now we want to make that a number one in 2023. You can also follow us on the Bet Rivers Network on YouTube. Give us a like, give us a subscribe and please give us a comment on anything you like from our shows. There's all all sorts of shows in there. Soccer and all the guys from American Football coming into the playoff season as well. Uh, James, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Have a happy 2023. Happy New Year to yourself and your family and thank you everyone for watching. A good luck with your bets coming up for the the Australian Open. Take care.
1: Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network.